Uh, hello and welcome to Business Without Bullshit. I am Andy Uri and alongside me is the marvellous Bibbster. Hi Andy. And today we are joined... Hello Bibbster, sorry about that one. <laughs> <laughs> today we're joined by the wonderful Rena Lynch. Uh, Rena is founder and CEO of Voice at the Table. It sounds like a sort of a holding hands seance kind of thing, doesn't That's it? That's how it started, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> a diversity and inclusion consultancy who help organizations tap into the diversity of their people and offer training in equity, diversity, and inclusion. A lot of a lot of ticks there, uh, or perhaps crosses, depending on your mindset. Um, so off we go. So thank you for joining the podcast. It's a pleasure. Thank you for asking. Oh, very good. And uh, we always like to start with uh, what is keeping Rena up at night? What is keeping me up at night? Well, is how to make the world more equitable. Mm. Yeah, I noticed that it's equity and inclusion rather than equality and inclusion. What's the difference? Yeah, good question. Very good question. So equality is all about doing the same or giving everyone the same exact chance and opportunity. Equity is about recognizing that not everyone is going to do as much with the same opportunity. So it's the fairness element. Mm. So if you think of it as that, you, you will have seen the picture of people peeping over a fence and the ones who are slightly shorter might need a box to stand on. That's equity. But the fence being the same level for everyone, that's equality. Oh. Yeah, because some of them still can't see over it in that scenario. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So yeah. you need to, to recognize that in equity, we, we take the time to recognize it, learn how to see it, and then uh, adjust adjust the system and our outlook. But it's a word, it's weird, because it's a word that lawyers in particular are very used to. Because equitable, things being equitable is something we say a lot instead of being fair. But I don't think it's generally talked about a lot in everyday speak, is it? No, I suppose not. I suppose not. It's interesting because it's now been 10 years since I've not been a lawyer <laughs> and thinking about it. So I, I think about it in, in those kind of terms. But it is one of the things that I love about the English legal system is that it has equitable law because a lot of them don't. And it's, it's, it is the rule and, and mm. you don't change anything for it. What's equitable law now? Equitable law is what? It all must be fair. We don't judge you on who you are. Isn't that the same law everywhere? Or what do you mean? I think it's when you can deviate from the rule when the circumstances justify. Ah, it's reasonableness in my yeah, world. Yeah, it's fairness. A sense fairness, of... Fairness, exactly. Fairness. No, I love that. And I, I put that... I just, I just randomly put that down to the fact that we sort of chucked most of religion out the window and we just ended up... It's, it's sort of the, the framework is always, well, if you've got 100 people in a room and you told them the story, would you put this person in prison or not? You know, it was a yeah. one-off mess up. Mm. You can understand how they got there. It's all very human give the person a chance sort of thing versus, yeah, you're just sort of judged. And I think it, it's almost needed in society. I always like, had this idea, you hear someone talking in a pub and you think, oh, blimey, but it would be great, you know, I mean, it's a bit like Black Mirror. You pointed your phone at them and they said, they're genuinely a good person and they're just making a controversial point, you know, as opposed to... Oh, I was no idea where you were going with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, as opposed <laughs> to... Well, I just, I, I'm thinking of myself when things fly out of my mouth. And also it's the soundbite thing, you know, why do we do podcasts? It's the whole taking out of context. It's it's like we can't have a conversation unless, because a lot of the times you need to, to, to make extreme examples. But when you said a fence is equal, so the fence is the same height all the way along, surely equality is raising people up and down behind the fence because the fence is just whatever the fence is. It's equity. So if you think about it in terms of hiring, for instance, if you give everyone the very same, and it's it's actually true in accountancy, I was working with an accounting firm on that very point. So they, they, they had a test that all 
trainees had to pass. And what they've realized is that somehow there was a higher proportion of white men passing this particular test than any other type of... Funny that. <laughs> but what was the test? <laughs> was it a higher proportion of white men taking the test? Yeah. Because that might be why. This was the interesting bit is that they had a diverse mm. pool of candidates. Right. Um, but when it came to the testing, only white men... Uh, came through and I said well is there any other means by which you can test for that particular skill and they said oh yeah actually there is and in fact another accounting firm does that they couldn't work out from yeah, why? The why were the white men doing so well? What it was well? on the test. Well, I, I don't know. It was. It may have been something, the way that things are taught or the way that they are perceived, that you know that there are actually certain words that are more appealing to men than women. So when you write job descriptions, for instance, if you include a lot of these kind of, you know, ambition and success and experience, you know, those kind of words, you will actually attract fewer women. What do women like to hear? They like uh, nurturing, adding value, supporting culture, environment, theme, purpose, you know, compassion. All the nice things in life. Less, less egotistical, <laughs> apparently, you know. Less, less of the experience things, because experience is something, you know, just the way women look at, at the world is slightly different. You know, I'm obviously overgeneralizing, but I remember this example. This is when I was working in the bank and um, our boss, this is in the legal department, I was asked to submit what we've been working on for a report. And I said, oh, I've been, we're helping this client and that client and we're doing this and that and a few negotiations. And my colleague, who was doing exactly the same kind of work, he went for, oh, I worked on this massive big deal with this massive client by name. So it was all about the branding, the image, the impressive bit. And you, you'd said, I'm helping people with this. Yes. He presumably yes. said, I the did this for bit. them. I did that for them. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the difference. It's become one of these subjects now. I mean, it's funny how the, the, the decades swing by, isn't it? It's now at a point that you say diversity, and I think half the room are just going, oh, for fuck's yeah, sake, here we go fatigue. again. Work bollocks, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah, diversity fatigue. I mean, what, let's start at the basics. Why have you got a passion about it? Where, where has it come from? You've dedicated your life to it. Why? Well, the last 10 years. Um, uh, to be fair, I did have a passion for it all my life. And I've, you know, looking back, I've reflected on the fact that, like you, Pippa, probably supported a lot of women, wanted us to succeed. The ultimate change happened when I hit the ceiling. My head hit the ceiling and I didn't recognize it at that time. This is in a bank or you don't need to be too specific if yeah, you don't yeah. want to. Yeah, in my previous job, I wasn't advancing but at the same time, advancing would have meant a job that I wasn't quite as passionate about. So it would have been the next level at the sort of GC level. And I decided to explore the options and to do something that I'm passionate about, which was supporting women through recognizing what that ceiling was and why it was in place. So, so the journey started by sort of opening eyes and empowering women to believe in themselves. But within very quickly, I'd say a couple of years or so, what I recognized is that there's nothing wrong with the women. <laughs> it's the system that doesn't necessarily see the benefit that, in my case, it was the women, but it's actually people who are outside the main mold. Just not quite cookie cutter. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And if you look around the business world here in the States and many places, there is one dominant type that does really well. And then everybody else is scrambling. And it's not to say that they don't succeed, but it takes a lot of work for anybody other than the main type. 
for whom the world has been built, by whom the world of business has been built. Yeah, and I think we, we have to remember for, for, for hundreds of years that, you know, men, men did the work and therefore, the you know, I always think of the example of my dear friend Al, his dad was CEO at Black & Decker and CEO at Tannoy and all these great companies and stuff. And he's passed now, bless him. But, you know, he said... Oh, this used to be so much easier when it was just men. We'd, we'd get in this room, we'd have a really big argument, and then we'd go to the pub. And that was how, and you, you just, that very statement just tells you a lot about how we would make decisions and stuff. And so you've got this environment, as you say, which, however we get into the history of what was fair, ultimately it was, that was what was going on, men did the work and stuff, that it's not surprising that there's this huge long-term shift towards not what a woman's environment should be like or a man's environment should be like, but what is a mixed decision environment like? And I think that's a particularly interesting question in work and at home, to be honest. Yeah, sure. I think home gets forget, forgotten a lot. You know, I, I I always joke about it, but it's like, you know, there's a lot of sort of like, it's not fair in the workplace. And I'm like, it's not fucking fair at home, to be <laughs> yeah. honest. Yeah, so I mean, it's that sort of transition, isn't it, now? And then, and then language becomes so important at the moment now because it's like, okay, so my simple example, and I think it is true for a lot of men, the word feminist has for a long time in my life until I really understood what it mean. And even then I'm still like, sure we want to use this word because it's very aggressive it's very like manism i'm into manism <laughs> and that is equality and it's like what you know so most i would say if you went into the street and asked people and took a poll i wouldn't be surprised if half of them even well-educated londoners you know would say oh doesn't it mean like pro-women it doesn't mean pro-women you know, and it's about where it comes from as an argument. And I get that. And I've had people batter me about like, yeah, but we have to, you know, we have to understand where it's come from. But I'm like, look, language is so weaponized. And yeah. so, especially mm. with the woke thing now, it's like, even how we started this conversation, I thought was very, I quite like equity. You know, you're throwing out words that are sort mm. of not a trigger for mm. me. Like, oh, diversity, here we go. You, know? <laughs> you, you talk about like a diversity journey. So is this with kind of companies where you, yeah. you take them on a kind of a journey? Is it like start with fact finding or how does it work? Well, so, so the simple version is is you, you kind of identify where the company is on this journey. It's a seven seven step journey, and Ooh. the number one is essentially called don't care, don't know, don't want to do anything about it. And I don't really know any companies that are well. They're not. That. Gonna, I mean, they're not going to hire you if they don't give a shit, right? Well, but also you don't. Yeah, I mean, you know, and are, now you couldn't publicly admit to that either which is really curious well, even if it. you thought yeah. it yeah the second step is window dressing so this is when you recognize when you're sophisticated enough to understand that this is going to matter to someone so you got to do something about it but to me that's the beginning of the journey so if you understand that somebody cares about it we can have a conversation and the conversation mm. then so, so, so moving to the next step it would be raising their awareness of why are we talking about diversity it isn't just equity it's equity diversity and inclusion and the reason that all three terms are used is because equity is a nice thing diversity is the world that we live in and the world is becoming smaller and smaller the world's becoming smaller and smaller through communication you mean through communication through travel exactly so it's not that in a world in a way the world has become less and less diverse in a way and in a way man that's ultimately what it should you know it's a sort of interesting thing isn't it while we all while australia didn't have the internet and was completely separated and these kind you know they were doing their own thing weren't they you know japan doing its own thing for still is kind of doing its own thing so the world's (laughs) becoming more common it, on, on a certain level so it, uh, I think of it as the, the British accent <laughs> in right. the world there are lots of com- there are lots of countries where the, there is 
you know, you can hear the Britishness in their accent, but in, actually the culture is very different. And a great example of that is a, well, Canada not so much, but Australia. Yeah. In Australia, there is a little bit, there's a lot of British culture that is assumed in the culture, but underneath it all, they're very, very different. Yeah. And that's the difference. But it's true for humans as well. You know, 90% of what makes us human is exactly the same between you, anybody in India, anybody in Australia. Or indeed a rat. Or indeed a rat, exactly. Yeah, I'm very, very closely related, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? That's not a surprise. But let's take Australia as an example. I think it's an interesting one because I work with them so much. I find Australians incredibly similar to the British, but there's a couple of key differences. You know, mm. they're more direct. You know, there's a sort of a bit more happy-go-lucky. The need to end everybody's name in an O. The need to end everyone's name in an O. Um, they're crazy with sport. Yeah, they're crazy. Yeah. But they're really, you know, for instance, Australians are surprised by our decision-making and don't quite understand when we say interesting and we faff around a bit because they're just like, bang, you want to do it or you don't want to do it, mate. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but you're saying there's huge differences, do you think, between the Brits and the Australians? Not huge differences, but there is enough of a difference to to make a difference and for us to know to adjust to that difference. And it's true for an Australian here and for us there. So if we were to go and do some business there, we would need to understand those nuances. And that yes. is all about inclusion. That's inclusion. That's inclusion. Yeah. And you probably don't even realise that you're doing it yeah. when you make allowances or you understand what your cl Australian clients are saying to you in a different way from if they were English and they said the same thing. This is great that you're explaining it. Like inclusion, therefore, is being inclusive in my language. Yeah, effectively. It's, it's absolutely. It's all about. So we have developed these eight inclusive behaviors, which make up inclusion. And empathy is the first one. And empathy is obviously understanding that mm. people are different and giving them the deference to be different and um, adjusting if you need to. So it, it's it's one thing to understand where they're coming from and adjusting to them, but it's another if if you need them to adjust to you that works as well as the other way around. So if you need them to do business here, they also have to embrace inclusion and become more empathetic. So, so that's number one. Language, actually, use of language is our sixth inclusive behavior. And that's, it's really about, you know, obviously language evolves every year, everywhere, but inclusive language is about understanding how you might say something that might land differently from the way you mean it. The easy one is swearing. Fine in Australia, they swear more than us, actually. But other cultures, uh -uh. exactly. And context matters. So you you'll remember the ominous question of where are you from, really? You know, and oh. the, what that means, you know, and what you're conveying by that. So if I asked you where are you from, really, that mo probably means somewhere in London or the UK and Windsor, as it happens. Huh? Yeah, well, there you go. You see. Although to be fair, in London, I think people often just ask that because they're interested. You know, there's so much kindness behind some of these statements, but people can get very upset that you say, oh, you know, they, you're, I, the way you ask, because I had to learn this years ago, say, well, what are your roots, you might say to someone. Where's and, home? Yeah. You know, and they might say, oh, well, because I think it's a, it's a reasonable question to any Londoner. I mean, they're such tricky ones. I mean, to me, it's sort of, will we, will we only be able to be at peace globally for me, when like we we have a way that you know, I, I I joke. Can we put on some glasses that translate body language, translate culture, translate everything? So I hear as a Brit what I need to hear. It inserts the please and the thank yous, and it does the thing because it's like the way you rub up against each other culturally 
is powerful. It's like, it's like, I just can't believe you didn't say thank you. I just cannot yeah. believe it, you know. Sometimes people are just assholes though, right? Yeah, exactly. So how do you separate them? It's not always just a cultural thing. Well, exactly. And that's not, <laughs> equi- e- e- equity, diversity and inclusion is all about trying to remove the element. And as you say, some people are just assholes. Some mm. people are just idiots, yeah. you know. Yeah, and, and uh, but I think the point is, is what's the reason for doing it? You know, and, and, and that's kind of where I suppose we're slightly different. It is nice to be fair and it is nice to be empathetic and it's nice to be inclusive but ultimately we're doing it in our business so that we can benefit from from everyone's thinking and it's creating high performance teams so does it add to the bottom line of course it does don't you know that already (laughs) (laughs) well it's bounded around as a thing i mean it's bounded around as a thing like people bound around all sorts of stuff you know there's some statistics but it's logical as well I think it's it's always going to be logical that you don't want to have all yes men and women around you and people who are too yeah. similar to you, even yeah. if you like them. Yeah. And and, and or, or, or as you know, a good old uh, client said, "Hard people you're scared of," you know, as in when you're building a startup, you know, people you don't understand, yeah. you know, different from you, yeah, different exactly. for you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think, and I think, I think that's. But let's just run through it. So we've got equity, which is. Is, is, is almost comes last, isn't it? You've got to be inclusive, that you've got to be sympathetic with how you approach matters. And that's almost trying to reduce the cultural impact. Well, it is and it isn't. So, so equity for us is, the way we look at equity is about systems. You know, it's the fairness in the systems. So so hiring, for instance, do we have processes in place that actually don't prefer other people, a certain type of person or promotion or, you know, any, anything like mm. that? But no, I was almost reversing the order to say inclusiveness is starting with... Yes, inclusion let's is Let's try and flatten the whole, like... You know, I might not come from a culture where we say, please, I'm Dutch and I'm just going to, and I'm, that's going to be great into a British, but I was a silly example. Or understand them, yeah. Yeah. And then once you get to that, you say, okay, we've understand how we all operate. And then it's sort of like, okay, now we need a diverse group. Now you've got a diverse group. Now you, now the last step to me is the equality, is the equity, is to say, right, who in this group is going to be disadvantaged by the way we're having a conversation or, you know, trying to decide. Is, is that understanding it or not? I would say it slightly differently in that you're right that you want to start with inclusion, then equity is the next bit because inclusion okay. is about behaviour mm. um, and um, equity is about systems and processes. And then that together will get you to a greater variety of oh, people. It will give you the diversification. Because if you think about it, I was about to say that, that systems to do stuff are presumably a great way to kind of build in Bias. Because if you, well, yeah, but if you just think about it like, you know, an old law firm kind of, how do they hire people? Well, one of the partners is charged with sitting in a room and reading through all the CVs and cutting out the ones invariably he doesn't think, you know, really sound good and picking these ones. And in something like that, where you've got people at the heart of it, they're always going to have biases. Well, absolutely. And bias is the big issue. That is the big problem, I suppose, is how to get rid of it. I always used to joke at my old law firm, we always had more trainees who'd gone to Leicester University than anywhere else because the partner that... There you go. Looked at the CVs had gone to Leicester University. Yeah, is all bias bad though? I mean, you you get to a point that bias surely is experience, gut. You know, it's like I, I mean, a bias where I'm judging. Oh, I don't like women. That's ridiculous. But but that is bias. That is. But there's much more subtle bias than that. 
there's like I've met I've met this kind of character before. They're very very difficult to work with. We don't want we, you know you get, you get, it's easy when you're doing the big blocks, isn't it? But you get down but to the detail. But that's also really unfair because if you're literally judging somebody on you meet them and you think they're a bit like my mate Bob, who's really annoying, so I'm not going to hire them. Isn't you well? Know, I'm just saying you you a lot of the time. Maybe put it a different way. You might, listening to your gut is a very important skill in life, and your gut, whatever that we can get into, what the hell does that mean? But I think there's a bias and gut can get quite mixed up. Well, listening to your gut, I agree with you, but that your gut ha- listens to your learned behavior and your learned reflexes in the, in the brain. So your gut can also be very biased. Yeah. In fact, it probably is. is. Uh, what's your long-term goal, Rina? My long-term goal is to really bring a little bit of equity into the world. And that's kind of where I started out. It was it was a purpose-built, it is not a business-built mission to um, have founded Voice at the Table. It was really just to make a little bit of a difference. And, you know, I, my work is never going to be done. I'm never going to be out of a job. But the very little I can do for anyone to make things a little bit clearer, more equitable, that makes it's me feel good. It's a nice name for a business as well. Did that just come from, you know... My own experience. Yeah. The story, very briefly, is that I was advising a client and he's asked me to come to a meeting on a different case. Didn't know anything about it. He just wanted a lawyer by his side. It's a banker. And we sat there in this massive room, lots of lawyers, lots of bankers talking about this transaction. And I wanted to say something. And instead of saying it out loud, because I didn't think it was my place, I leaned over to him and I said, whatever it is I said to him and he turned around and said just say it out loud and instantly as soon as he said yeah why didn't I and I did and and, and what happened was exactly what always happens you know points are picked up and you move on in a conversation but I had this massive block because you were at a table was it all men is it was it a sort of bias of your own a sort of subconscious like oh I didn't dare say anything it's exactly it's a lack of confidence is is thinking that you, you just what you, if I say the wrong thing and I look like an idiot that's common in any if we put 20 people who are completely diverse in a room it's very character type isn't it that, that guy we had on this podcast he's all about um, remote working and stuff he made some really good points about oh it's all very well for you Andy you know you obviously got chat and you're loud and you enjoy an environment where you can sit around the table and and, you know, and I can think of partners who always sort of say, well, if I could say what I want to say. And I'm like, just fucking say it. Stop like, keep sort of like hot because they say, well, I've been trying to get a word in edgeways. And I was like, well, <laughs> none of us had noticed. Why didn't you fucking speak it? But it's easy for me. It's like I come from a loud family. I, I, I'm saying that aggressively, but I just more mean like, I find it almost strange sometimes in meetings when someone says, well, you know, I've been trying to say something and someone next to them says, yeah, they have been trying to say something. And I'm thinking, there's 10 of us in a room. But you would not shut the fuck up. Yeah. It's the end of that sentence, well, they just well, not saying it. What am I doing now? You've got to interrupt. You know, well, it's almost some people yeah. don't interrupt. You've got, I'm doing it now. You've Sometimes got to interrupt. I just like to let you run. Order. Order. The Honourable Gentleman has got to learn the art of patience. And if he is patient, if he deploys zen... He will find that it is ultimately to everybody's advantage. So we'll leave it there. Out of this, what do you think is most misunderstood about what you do? 
Yes, that is a problem to solve, actually. That is probably the most misunderstood there, there part. Is a, there is a problem to no, solve. No, that it is a problem it to solve. It is a problem to so, solve. Because when, when I approach diversity and inclusion, it's looking at it as an opportunity to tap into rather than solving a problem. Mm. And, and the conversation is a very different conversation. If you look at it as, oh, we just don't have enough women and we're not being equitable enough and we need to do this and we need to do that to be fair and to take into account... Yes, all those things are true, but if you look at it from an opportunity, well, why are we doing this? Well, actually, because we need people to be more creative, more innovative, more uh, with greater contribution, and that's what we want out of diversity, and that's an opportunity for us as a business. And once you once you challenge conversation in that direction, it becomes a very different conversation, and that uh, conversation that I personally enjoy a lot more, and I have with most of my, my clients. Yeah, it's a, it's a sort of very constructive conversation rather than a criticism, and yeah. I think I think that's the whole problem with well, why is a tr- diversity a trigger? It's everyone's just fed up with the fucking criticism. Excuse my French, but we're all just like, Christ, you know, can I do anything these days? You know, everything I say or do or be it seems to be wrong on someone's ledger. And what's your biggest fuck up? Oh, my biggest fuck up. Oh, um, that is telling magic circle partners that they don't have it all jesus don't tell them bastards anything they did not like that they fired me (laughs) really that they did not have it all what do you mean have it all as in they were not as good a boss a manager uh they weren't great managers of people. They weren't great managers of people. They weren't I'm as so, good as they thought are they are generally. managers, generally. I'm sorry. Yeah, totally. I'm not going to disagree with you. No, I mean, generally speaking, they're not, they're not, uh, you know. But it's because of the way our, our business is structured. Like, law firms work. You get a load of people who do law together. The ones that are really good at law progress up the chain. And then at some point, somebody says, you're now so good at what you do, do this instead. Forget about that. Now manage people and that's they're all true. shit at it. That's true everywhere. That's in engineering as well and architecture. Yeah, and that's where the leadership training has to come in. And I think bigger, for, I mean, law firms need to do this as well. Even smaller firms is to train people how to be better managers. But actually, you know, if you think about what you excel as a lawyer, you know, that's not people skills, is it? No. Most of the time. That's the thing. As a junior lawyer... There's a lot about sitting at your desk and drafting things. And mm. actually, as a junior lawyer, probably the best skill to have is attention to fucking detail. Yes, exactly. Because that's the thing in which you'll come yes, a cropper. A but as a senior lawyer, the skills you need are actually totally different because it's all about managing your clients and getting on with people and talking to people, right? What's the worst advice you've ever been given? The worst advice I've ever been given? Ooh, that's a good one. Um... I can't remember. I must have discarded it straight away. <laughs> I don't know. Well, what about the best piece then? Best piece of advice actually was really good. And it was, um, don't chase the money. Just do what you do and do it well. And the money will come after you. Yeah. No, uh, I, I, no good, I think, I think there's truth to that. It's I like that. that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I had that question that, yeah, yesterday. My friend asked me that he'd been offered a job. That it was like, you know, a load more money. And then it was like, you asked everything else about the job and you're like, sounds shit other than the money. So don't do it, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Business Without Bullshit is brought to you by Ori Clark, straight-talking financial and legal advice since 1935. You can find us at oriclark.com. What do you think is bullshit in your industry and why? 
I did think about this um, in advance, and I really think it's uh, female leadership programs. Oh, wow. I love the sound of this. Just, Come on. just explain a bit more. Unpack. Unpack. Okay, so number one, when you have a leadership program for women, you're actually signaling to women that they are not good enough. They need some support. Mm. That the men don't need. But the men don't need, exactly. Yeah. If you do a leadership program to which women are invited, that's a completely different story. But if you have leadership program for women then you're actually saying, you, you, you're just not good enough. Let, let us give God, you God, you should more. launch some leadership programs for men to just put it out there, to start undermining us, you know? Just, it's a good well, idea. that's what leadership programs are. Right. <laughs> for men, mainly. Okay, so number one, you feel it's the, it's the bad setting. But, you know, as, 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 I mean, I always put it down to testosterone, which I think has a huge part to pay, but you guys generally seem to be a little less egotistical and like, you know, fuck it, I'll kick open the doors and see what happens. So, yeah, but that's that is that a leadership trait then? I, I don't know, but, you know, it, it's not a great leader necessarily, but, you know, is that yeah. why leadership programs ex exist as a sort of, you know, people feel insecure about their ability to lead as women or not? No, I, I think that uh, generally speaking, this is true also in mentoring, women don't get the same technical training as men do, generally speaking. So if in mentoring, there's a lot of evidence to show that a, a mentor will speak to a male mentor about skills and abilities and how to progress in an organization. Whereas to a woman, it will be around character, personality, social setting, you know, or, or things like gravitas and speaking up with a, with a slightly yeah. deeper voice. I think women are more likely to go, oh God, oh shit, I'm moving into some kind of job that requires me to lead. I better go on some training because I'll be really shit at that and I don't know how to do it. Whereas I think that's less likely to be the response of a guy given a, a, a lead position because they don't necessarily always realise that they need help. That, that too. And also the fact that if you look at um, the uh, gender pay gap, which is evidence for the fact that there are a lot more senior men than women, it, it naturally then means that more men get the training rather than the women. So there is that. But I think I also think uh, leadership programs for women are very divisive. You know, like you said, oh, the poor white man, you know, now everybody's against me. It's That's kind of the feeling that it evokes, you know. Why are they getting the special treatment? I was, I was about to say, I find all sort of women power groups at any time that you start saying it's women. I mean, I worked a long time in skincare and the most, the biggest trade body here is the CEW, the Cosmetic Executive Women. Now you understand where it came from in the 40s and 50s when it was all run by men, products for women, and they said, we need a women's group. But, you know, obviously I tried to join the CEW, you know, 50, and you're not allowed. But whenever I, I'm completely with you, the moment I see anything that's like, women, power, this, you know, it's like, it's back to my feminist argument. It's like, that's a, it's a fucking wrong way to approach the conversation. Be inclusive. You mean everybody's just as bad as everybody else in them? Yeah, you just, you're immediately doing the same problem by sort of accusing, on your thing of um, learning skills, I mean, there's another interesting in, in, one in skincare and cosmetics, having worked in it in detail for years, having my own companies and stuff. Men, so when we look at a skincare or something, we love the science. I mean, honestly, we like get into the manual and house, what's the science do? So whenever I try to talk to people about skincare you know if I tried to talk to a woman about how I thought about it they were just like what does it do just tell me what it does stop telling me the science and so these are huge generalizations but there's that old thing you know men like a manual you know it's like there's something in that so I don't know I'm sort of picking up but I'm completely with you it's like stop attaching you're just you're just shooting yourself in the foot 
I mean, you would therefore have some some sympathy with my argument that feminism as a word is a bit of a loaded no, word. Totally. I, I'm totally with you on that. Just that, though. God, yeah. No one ever, <laughs> no feminist has ever backed me up on that. But, Absolutely, you know, yeah. yeah. I just think I, we're starting on the wrong footing. You know, let's let's start, you know, it would relax everyone so much to say, oh, this is about equality, you know. I mean, even in the world that we've now become, everyone's like, well, getting woke or whatever. I don't think anyone has a problem with equality, you know, fairness. People are talking about it more openly. Um, but people are talking about, you know... Talking about what? Diversity. Diversity, also the fact that it makes them feel excluded. So so the, the dominant type, let's say the men, the, the white men, are also now being able to say, okay, but, you know, I feel kind of excluded. I feel like I'm not going to get promoted because now we're looking at promoting only women. And that's something that we need to hear because actually there's a lot of evidence against that yeah but if we don't hear that view and also like even even the trumpest of the world if we hear what they're thinking at least this is something we can deal with and that's what i mean when people are talking about it and challenge which you can't do if you don't know all opinions are valid i mean there's nutters out there but in a way all all opinions are valid are they though well, that's what I was going to say because the whole you want Twitter, you know, just social media have to censor people. I'm, I'm more, I'm more of a mindset that it's like, look, everyone's got a right to their thoughts and opinion, and if we can't get them out on the table, we can't move forward. What what we need to be is not so stubborn about it that, and then there needs to be some sort of a trust and bond. So it works a lot better in a small group where it's your friends. You take twenty close friends and you discuss something. Now I might make a point. This happens to me regularly, by the way. And by the end of the conversation, I've been destroyed and humiliated. But I made that point to have a conversation about it. You know, a lot. Of, it's my mum. You know, it's like just throwing the hand grenade, and it's good chat. You know, although my wife says, "Please stop doing it at dinner." Rena, <laughs> <laughs> this is where. We uh, have our five-second rule round. Oh, okay. okay. Which is where we're going to ask you a list of questions to get to know you a little better, and you've got five seconds to answer each question. It never works, but we'll give it a go. Okay, because a lot of the answers are going to be, it depends. Yeah. <laughs> D, cue the music. Previous lawyer, are you? Uh... Yeah, sorry. Okay, D, what was your first job? McDonald's. Good answer. What was your worst job? A supply teacher. Favourite subject at school, perhaps to teach? No, just generally. Geography. Geography. What's your special skill? My agility. Agility. Flexibility, yeah. Oh, what, like physical flexibility? Oh, no, no. (laughs) Sorry, that's... Yeah, no. As in, I adapt quickly. (laughs) Well, mine. No, that's like the opposite of what I meant. You should be like, put your arm behind your back or whatever. Your agility... You should have answered that with one leg round your Your ability to adapt in a social environment. Very good. In any environment, yeah. What did you want to be when you grew up? A marine biologist. Oh, wow. To swim with dolphins. Yeah. Yeah. What did your parents want you to be when you grew up? Guess what? A lawyer. <laughs> Did they? They won. <laughs> as, long as, you do, as long as you don't say happy, which is what lots of people say. Uh, what's your go-to karaoke song? I Will Survive. Good song. Although it's quite sad lyrics underneath it, but anyway. There's a lot riding on this one. Um, office dogs. Close your ears, Romeo. Business or bullshit? Bullshit. Fair play. Rome. Sorry, honey. He's continuing to sleep through it. He doesn't care. No, I think they're probably bullshit in terms of driving a business. Have you ever been fired? Uh, From a job? (laughs) Oh. No. (laughs) What else can you get fired from? Relationships. Oh, okay. You're fired. I think if anyone says you're fired, it's it's a blessing in disguise. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What's your vice? Oh, my vice. Food. 
Sorry, I love food. Me too. Any recommendations on what to read or watch or listen to? We've had a couple of read yes. and watch yes. recommendations already. So I've given you the ones that are absolutely on point um, with regard to today's podcast. Another one is Rebel Ideas, which is all about the uh, beauty of diversity. And to watch, I'm going to recommend an Apple TV show that's called Extrapolations. And it's, have you heard of it? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. I have seen it on my Apple TV. But must watch it, must watch it. it. It's what happens to our world if climate change continues as it is. I'm and not sure I want start- to see that. Oh, that's the problem. They really put you off these programs, you it's know, because you're trying to it's chill out amazing. one evening. No, it's really great. You know, it's not fiction. It's not fiction, but it is very, very good. The best it's part. It's not fiction. Well, you can see it coming, is what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. It, is, it is fiction, but you can see it coming. It's very well done. And the thing about it that I love the most is that the things that we're talking about today, like diversity, inclusion, all of that, that's already taken for granted. So the world is diverse. Technology is, you know, places we couldn't even imagine. And yet we're grappling with oh, all these problems. Oh, I might problems. watch that. It's I love, really I love seeing this set slightly in the future. And I think the Apple, some, I think the Apple content is super amazing. And it's quite what I quite like is there's a big sci-fi kind of tilt to it and stuff. It's all a bit quirky, like foundation, that. foundation, very, very good. Okay, so this is where we give you Rena thirty seconds to pitch whatever you'd like. Okay, Off starting. You go. Okay, so what I'm going to pitch is diversity with voice to table which is um, essentially helping you understand why it's good for your business and how we can help you make more of it and how you can, as a leader, can influence diversity within your spheres of influence. So we can do that with you, support and then, you. And then you'll all make more money. And you're, well, you'll and be, be happier. You'll get better ideas from people. Better ideas. From people. No, I'm a big fan of that. I'm a big nice. fan of that. And hopefully that leads to money. And that was this week's episode of Business Without Bullshit. A big thank you to Rena Lynch for joining us. And we'll be back on Friday with the Business of Bullshit quiz. Stay tuned.